White Sox. White Sox. Go, 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 go. Call your sons. Call your daughter. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Win Echo. Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez. He's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. This is Herb Lawrence, and with me as always is Chris Tannehill. Chris, how are you feeling tonight? Oh, doing pretty well, Herbie. Uh, tonight's episode of Locked On White Sox, we're doing something special tonight. It's a top 20 of 2020, the top 20 moments for the White Sox this season. You know, uh, Tony Soprano always said that remember when is the lowest form of conversation. Remember when is the lowest form of conversation. But not tonight, not if you're locked on a White Sox listener, because this season went by so fast. I think it's important that we relive some of the better moments, some of the funnier things that happened uh, on the broadcast, and just everything in between here. But before we get started, this Top 20 Moments of 2020 special edition of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Postmates. You know, folks, if you're still reeling over that postseason wild card round loss to the Oakland Athletics and Maybe you've been hitting the booze a little bit and you need it now. Maybe you need a little late night dinner at 9 o'clock, a little breakfast burrito at 8 o'clock, or maybe some ibuprofen after you've been hitting that bottle at 10 a.m. Postmate it because Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, or whatever kind of delivery service all year round. Anything you're craving, Postmates can deliver it to you. They're the largest on-demand network in the United States, and they offer delivery from all the restaurants, grocery, and convenience stores, and traditional retailers that you could possibly want or need. That's 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Postmates will bring you what you need within the hour. So no more trips to the store after you leave something off that list of yours. Postmates will deliver anything to you. So here's what you Download the Postmates app for iOS or Android. It's free, by the way, and you can browse local restaurants, businesses, and track your delivery in real time. Maybe you need a beef sandwich and you're you're just waiting. You're you're looking at your phone. Where's my beef sandwich? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, there it is. It's right outside my door. And for a limited time, Postmates is giving our Lockdown White Sox listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start free deliveries, download the app. Use promo code Locked On. That's promo code Locked On for one hundred dollars of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Download Postmates and save with code Locked On. Locked On White Sox is also brought to you by RockAuto.com. You know, as baseball's come to an end for our Southsiders, I don't have to tell you guys out there that summer, it's long gone, falls here, and that means that winter is coming. So you're going to want to make sure you do everything you need to do to make sure your car is ready. And if you need parts, there's only one place to go, and that's rockauto.com. You know, there's so many different makes and models of cars these days. It's often impossible to stock all the parts your car will ever need at one of those traditional chain storefronts. And let's be real, that's kind of a pain anyway. You go up to the counter, and you got to wait and wait and wait, and of course with the distancing nowadays it's even more stressful going into a store and then by the time you get up there the person at the counter asks do you have an lx or an ex and you're like uh i don't know and then you wait for the counter person to order the parts on their computer choosing only the brands that their warehouse happens to carry but why do that when you've got a computer 
with access to rockauto.com right there in your pocket. You know, there's a lot of reasons to repair and maintain your car, but one of the biggest is to save money so you can use that money for other important things in life like mortgage, food, or even maybe some holiday gifts down the road. So why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership when you can go to rockauto.com right now? Our friends at rockauto.com, they're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Just go to rockauto.com right now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The prices at rockauto.com, they're always reliably low and the exact same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers like you and I. So why spend up to twice as much when you don't have to? Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck and do this for us, won't you? Right, locked on. And they're how'd you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, Herbie. So technically, this is episode 61. We're going to be hmm. flying through these. We won't have to do them anymore by the time the regular season starts again. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to take a look at some of the great 61s. It's not a very long list. They didn't hand it out until 1986, which I thought was pretty surprising. Old Joel McKeon had it in 1986. Um some other notables, Carlos Castillo, the very, the very, uh, <laughs> 1997, very, the very, uh, uh, what would you call Carlos Castillo? Uh, oh, he, he, Portly? yeah, he debuted on my birthday in 1997 wow. on, on April 2nd. That, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, his last game, 2001 versus, uh, the White Sox. Uh, when I was a kid, they would call that Husky. <laughs> Oh, I would definitely shop it in the Husky section when I when I was a youth, <laughs> for sure. Um, Miguel Olivo uh, sported the uh, sixty one back in two thousand two. Mm. Uh, Adam Russell, the Vulture, of course, in two thousand eight. Uh, for those who remember him that year, he called him the Vulture because he'd come in, you know, at the end of a ball game or you know towards the middle, and the offense would score for him, and all of a sudden he'd find himself in the win column that night. And then, of course. Uh, who, who I'm leaning towards this guy in this episode for obvious reasons. That would be Charlie Leesman. Um, anytime, you know, Charlie Leesman does not get mentioned a lot, uh, obviously, but whenever he does or did, people always associated me with him because of, of a running bit we would do on the old Boers and Bernstein show. This is a classic Hawk moment right here where uh, I think this was 2010-ish. Uh, he was talking about the critics of the White Sox farm system. Um, that that year, you know, they had such rising stars like Jared Mitchell uh, come oh. on the scene. This is before Josh Fegley even made his uh, his debut. But uh, Hawk was uh, he he was a little upset with the tractors, saying that the Sox had a had a terrible farm system. And this is what he had to say. And just checking our minor league affiliates, Charlotte with that record of sixty three and forty nine, they're in first place by seven games. Jared Mitchell having a good year down there. Dan Johnson. Johnson leads the league in walks with 85. Ranked second home runs with 23. That's right, folks. That Dan Johnson. A swing and a long one to right. This is going to go a three-homer game for Johnson. He's on the team for next year. He was not on the team for next year. Go ahead. Continue, Hawk. <laughs> Charlie Leesman. Ranks third in ERA at 2.69. And here's Alexei. He also went out to span. And checking on Birmingham. There in third place, only five games back. Bad. Winston Salem tied for first. With all these pundits and people, spring training. Then we had the 30th ranked 30th farm system. Where in the world are they now? 
to all the rookies that we have had help our ball club so far this year, the big club, in the first place. And some of our teams down there leading their, leading their leagues. This goes to show you. Consider the source. Yeah, you always like to rank your farm system by a position in the standings. Uh, that was, uh, you know, it, that was 2012, right? Was it? Was it? Was it 10 or 12? I mean, yeah, it had to be 12 because of they were in contention and in first place. I don't remember them being in first place throughout the 10 that long. And Charlie Leesman was in. He debuted in 13. Triple, tri triple yeah. A uh, Birmingham or Triple uh, A Charlotte. Okay. In 2012 and 2013. Yeah, so that was, uh, you know, as low as it got. I remember around that time. Uh, when uh, when the Cubs signed Jorge Soler uh, mm -hmm. out of Cuba, I was producing Joe O's show, and we had on uh, Jason Parks, who at that time was just working for, I think it was Baseball Prospectus, he was doing the podcast with Kevin Goldstein. He later yep. went on to work oh. for the for the Cubs. It's a, a tough go right there. <laughs> um, I wonder how it's many... we know of Kevin Goldstein now. Yeah, I wonder how many score employees' emails were were in Kevin Goldstein's <laughs> uh, emails that were subpoenaed. Um, but, oh, but, but Jason Parks went on to scout for the Cubs uh, after Theo Epstein came over. And then I think he's working with the Diamondbacks now, uh, the D-backs. And Kevin Goldstein said of the White Sox farm system back in it had to have been late fourteen or fifteen after the Sorlaire signing for the Cubs. Like we, you know, coincidentally, he'd asked him about the state of the Sox farm system, and he said it was one of the worst he had ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a scout telling you that your organization is one of the worst uh, systems he's ever seen. But thankfully, things were on the upswing after that, and they decided to do the rebuild thing, and you know. Uh, but that that was uh, just a funny moment there I, I, when I think it was it hit rock bottom for the White Sox. Uh, other notable sixty ones, Chris Bassett, who we just saw, uh, he took the loss yesterday in Game One of that uh, LDS. They crushed him. They really did. Yeah, they did not look like they were having a hard time with old Chris Bassett. The uh, the Astros did. Um, Key Van Smith, Kevin Smith, war number 61, as well as Willie Garcia and Ryan Burr. Hey, uh, Herb, do you remember uh, that there was a Burr and a Hamilton on the White Sox? <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see that? Because uh, it's, cause it's, yeah. it's from, from Hamilton. Uh, yeah, and Burr, Burr uh, yeah, there was a, a duel there. Yeah, you remember that? They were both on the White Sox at the same time, Burr and Hamilton. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Really enough. <laughs> really enough. Hamilton's. I think pitched longer than uh, Burr did. Uh, yeah, well, Hamilton was was slated to be uh, not maybe not on the uh, the roster this year, but he was he was in camp, wasn't he? Or yeah, I would try, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and then I think he went to Seattle eventually. They signed him. Yeah, so yeah, there you go. The number sixty one. So I mean, I think it's only right that we call it the Charlie Leesman uh, episode. I think I mean, I'm who, fine with that. Yeah. All right. Then then it's then it's done. All right. So, well, by the way, so just you know, we're going to be checking in, talking about the playoffs every now and then. So, are you, are you enjoying the playoffs so far? That ball's been flying out of Dodger Stadium so far early. Future, yeah, like future White like, Sox right fielder uh, George Springer <laughs> and or Michael Brantley. I'm going to go back and edit these uh, later. Uh, but yeah, they, he's George like the Denver Broncos. <laughs> yeah, the Atlanta Falcons. Um, George Springer's <laughs> getting himself paid, so I don't think he'll be a White Sox. But he's having an all-time yeah. postseason career, and th those balls are just flying early on in the postseason here. I mean, the home run by Chad Pender. I don't know if you got to see it. <laughs> it was opposite field, right center. 453 feet. I I haven't seen a ball travel that far in Dodger Stadium. And, you know, I've watched every game 
the LA Dodgers play, but when I was in San Diego, they played there a lot. And no one, I mean, usually the games are at night, and when the Marine are out there, you're not hitting it. Like Tanny says, the weather is conducive to it, and now um, since it's in, during the day, the Marine Marine layer burns off by the afternoon and then rebuilds in the night. So that's why it's hard to hit there at night, but at day, that ball is gone. Look at Herb, the, the big brain on Herb here telling you about, uh, about, about marine air. Uh, what's the square root of this apartment? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, it's been fun. Correction. <laughs> I'm from Katie, too. <laughs> But yeah, man, it's been a it's been a fun postseason so far. Um, just watching some of that Yankee game a few minutes ago, um, Aaron Judge just annihilating a baseball into into a part Ugh. of that ballpark that I did not know could be reached uh, <laughs> by man or baseball. But yeah, it's been fun. You know, I, you know, it's tough to not look at it through a White Sox lens, but you got to believe that in these conditions, the Sox maybe would have thrived. You know, uh, you, you'd like to say that to yourself, but who knows, really. I mean, I think so too. They, I don't think the Astros like when I saw the starting pitcher. What is yesterday was I forgot who it was. Oh, Lance McCullers Jr. Good, but not great. That's yeah. your number one starter. I know it's not their number one starter. Frankie is, but after that, like it's Urquidy, and then it's McCullers, and then the Valdez guy that took the bump today. Good, but not great. The yeah. White Sox would have feasted, especially on Valdez, um, left-handed thrower. So yeah, I feel like every time i thought i wouldn't gonna you know i thought i have no regrets it's a great year don't look back they gave it their all but yeah i'm looking back and like man if they made this play that one play or yep. did something better we could have been playing this game right now we could be up 2-0 versus bitch it'll be the opposite <laughs> i mean the astros are Whew, friends, yeah. Going well, it's funny, you know, watching McCullers uh, go and like seeing his reaction. A lot of those balls leaving the ballpark against the <laughs> A's, like, like everyone's just like, "What the hell?" Like you, you, you play a season and you get through everything, and just to have it subject to just random power. Like that's the postseason, though, for you, though. You know, the ball's carried, and no one, everyone looks in disbelief every time a ball goes out. So that tells you a lot. But yeah, and they like they like. Go ahead. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. That's all right. I was I'll pick it up. So yeah, so you know, getting back to your point about you, you know, you one little play here or there that's made or not made, one little bloop that drops in. Hopefully, the Sox are thinking about that going forward, and like you know, it it, it keeps the drive going of you know the devil being in the details. You know, this one play made here or there. You know, maybe you grind out one more at bat, keep an inning going for the next guy. You know, hopefully that that carries over into the off season and into spring training, and like that gives them that that edge that they need. No that they could be there and holding their own in this postseason. But uh, any other postseason uh, ruminations before we move on to the top 20 of 2020? Not from me. So All let's right. get to the top 20. All right, here it is. So it's the top 20 moments of 2020. Full disclosure, I stole this idea from Matt Spiegel, uh, who you can check out at mattspiegel.com. He's one of our great uh, hosts at The Score here. And he has a podcast called Our Game. It's the Our Game podcast where he talks about baseball things as well. So if you can't get enough baseball in your life, mm -hmm. check out Matt Spiegel. There, there aren't many people who love Our Game as much as he does and are especially uh, knowledgeable uh, about baseball to boot. So he did this on uh, Hit and Run on Sunday. It was the top 20 moments for Cubs and Sox all year. And, uh, you know, he didn't have audio accompaniment, but like we're going to have, and also it was split between the two teams. So, you know, this is strictly Sox related. So uh, let's begin, shall we? We shall. All right. So number 20, I have this 
being a simple one, just the fact that they played. We are just about ready for baseball from guaranteed rate field for the 2020 season. Sincerely hoping that we can be a little bit of a game for you over the next 60 games worth and 66 days. And they certainly were, man. Like, I, you know, we, we had so much fun this year doing the podcast. But just, I, you know, watching the postseason tonight, just trying to think of what would it have been like if baseball just didn't happen this year and we went straight to football or just, you know, kept going with the NBA finals, which are going on tonight. But, like, what, what would that have been like? How bad of an optic would that have been for baseball if they just didn't play? Like, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of – eyes to be captured right now or back in the day and you know people were willing to ready and willing to see what these major league sports were going to give them and baseball was the first of the major sports to get going so i think if they wouldn't have played i would have preferred them not to play i mean unless they had a solid plan and it looks like while the protocols were followed it was a really solid plan and i love the postseason this gives a different dimension to this whole uh, uh, World Series this com- that's coming up. So um, baseball's done a good job. So the, the, I know I certainly appreciated the fact that they were a distraction every night and the White Sox being good certainly helped. Um, but another thing I'm going to tack onto this here, uh, onto that opening night and just, you know, baseball beginning, uh, it was uh, – I thought a lot about – Ed Farmer this year, who we lost uh, on April 1st. Mm. And, you know, I always thought about him through several moments along the way. And, you know, he was definitely on our hearts and minds all season long. On the home run from Eloy Jimenez, the lack of fireworks in this odd era that we're in. And it's almost fitting and or symbolic that there are no fireworks in the first game against an opponent in this ballpark. Because Ed Farmer used to give the signal on the radio to light up the scoreboard on home runs and we lost our dear friend Ed Farmer late this offseason uh, the longtime radio voice of the Sox Sox pitcher among other teams but uh, one of the great storytellers in all of baseball Ed Farmer gone way too soon and a guy who he just felt like he was going to be here forever he was always on trips and he was always telling stories and he was always engaging and we're going to miss that guy a whole heck of a lot yeah, and I really missed him a lot this year. Like I, like I said before, I keep uh, his baseball card with me on the mixing board here. I keep one at work at the Score Studios. But there are so many moments this year where I'm like, oh, man, I wonder what, what Ed thought of this situation, you know, just being something funny that happened on the field or a player doing something, you know, as all the bat flips are, are going. I would have loved to hear Ed's call of Wilson Contreras <laughs> and his bat flip in that, that final weekend series. Can you like, give me a taste of what it, what it sounds no, like? No, I can't even speculate. Uh, That's like, like uh, But I imagine what he would say, like, yes. in, in the talk back in the middle of the inning really is what I wish I could have heard. You know what I mean? Like, But I think about it, like, if that was a, a normal day, and there was fans there, like last Friday, home game of the year. We probably would have been there. Like we probably would have yep. got a chance to talk to Ed and DJ about that bat flip from Contreras and get the unfiltered Ed. So man, that you know, I, I'm you know, we still miss him. We both of us do, and you know, certainly wasn't the same without him this year. But uh, yes, yeah, but but you know, life goes on, and uh, we still think about him all the time. Yeah, Ed's one of the best. Uh, we had so many great times with him. Get to see him at uh, different ballparks. Of course, uh, guarantee rate. Other ballparks on our travels. Pittsburgh, I think, was our last road trip that we got to see him. So it was good times. Kansas City down there with our guy Rich Myers, too. So, yeah, I just cherish all the times that we had. And, uh, yeah, I would love to hear Ed's <laughs> call on a lot of things, and especially them clinching 
a playoff spot for the first time in 12 years, man. Like Ed's been through the the stuff, yep. especially with us. And then, you know, when going over to the other stations and stuff, I'm sure Ed just hears the stuff as a diehard White Sox fan, not feeling good. Like, God, my socks are not good. We've gone to the playoffs in 2005, 2008, and now we're just in this desert. And, you know, he deserves it, like any White Sox fan to see that team grow up from the 2016, 17, 18, and then 19. And then finally you get the reward of 2020. I would have loved for a diehard fan like that and the guy who painted a great picture on the radio to see that. Yeah, man, uh, but I definitely think with that Contreras bat flip, uh, definitely, uh, what's he doing, partner? <laughs> like Professionalism, <laughs> friends. Oh, professionalism long left this ball game, friends, yeah. Professionalism has left this game at this point. I'll say that right now. Uh, you were saying? All right, number 19. Uh, just all the debuts of the Sox had this year. This was a team that was that was infused with lots of young talent. You know, everyone from... Luis Robert, Nick Madrigal, Garrett Crochet, Dane Dunning, Yermin Mercedes, Luis Gonzalez, Bernando Flores, Jonathan Stever, Jimmy Lambert, Cody Hoyer, and Matt Foster, among others. You know, just all the youthful, you know, energy that was injected to this team this year is what, you know, made the difference, I think. And adding this young talent to the roster is what uh, helped take help the White Sox take the next step. So I've summarized moment number 19 with this. Line drive, right field, save that baseball. Nick Madrigal with his first career hit, and it's a single to right. The celebration is on. And little did we know that we'd have more moments of angst for Nick Madrigal uh, along the way after his first hit. You know, it took him a couple games to break through there, and we'll we'll get to our uh, offseason season. Uh, uh, report card for the White Sox and evaluate all these guys one by one but just yeah it was it was just great to see all these young guys get an opportunity this year when normally we talked about it a lot normally they probably would not have in other circumstances yeah and um, I'm very very happy about the youngsters that came on the team and you know we talk about the ones that get the shine Luis Robert uh, being one of them and then crochet at the end but I think my favorite of the year is uh, Cody Hoyer mainly because I didn't know about him and most people didn't know about him. It's like, wow, what is this? Uh, I, did we get this guy off a of scrap heap somewhere? Look him up. It's like, oh, no, no, he's one of ours. Like, why haven't I heard about him in this whole rebuild? Because this is extra stuff. This is top-notch stuff that he's throwing. So I can't believe that uh, I didn't know about him before, but I am so certain to be watching his career from here on out. And some are speculating. I think uh, Danny jo- and some people are speculating Josh about Nelson him. today. Josh, oh, Nelson Josh Nelson from, Nelson, from yeah. Sox Machine on with Lawrence uh, today was saying Cody Hoyer, a likely candidate for the closers role in 2021. Yeah, so I was surprised with that. Very surprised because it's just weird that a guy would come up unknown and then two years into his career being the closer. I think he has the stuff because yep. he has the demeanor. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how that one plays out too. You know, I, I think he does. Like, I think he, he got some learning experience in that, that that final playoff game there, where he where he gave up that bomb. Mm. Um, so, so hopefully, you know, I, I think ultimately, you know, look good otherwise. He he did. Yeah, uh, I don't think Colome is going to be coming back. So that's. You know, if the White Sox are going with the newer school approach here with with the closer spot where you don't sign people to get those outs, you just find those guys. And I think maybe they have they have the guy to do it, especially if you have crochet in the mix in the middle, along with Bummer and Foster like you you may have something there. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see who's closing out games uh, next year. But uh, it'll be always a roller coaster ride. All right. 
moment number 18. This is very self-serving, but it's certainly made my year. Subscribe for free, which is always good, <laughs> wherever you get your podcast. I mean, if you get it at the store, if you, if you get it at the cleaners, doesn't matter where you get it, but it doesn't cost you anything, which is the best news. Where do you get podcasts? I think your ringtone is going to be subscribe for free. It's, I like that. Yeah. It's good. Where do you get podcasts? You download them from the App Store, the, the Google Play Store, or the App Store oh, on well, Apple. That explains it. Yeah, you can use a podcast app. Why do you set me up for these things? We All that happens is we become talk radio drop-ins again. We're hot buttons on talk radio. Chris Tannehill loves it more than anything in the world. There's Evan Marshall getting loose. Can you believe we're 10% of the way through the season already? Oh, you're goddamn right. I love it more than anything in the world. And it's something funny in there that I just noticed. Jason Benetti, an Android guy? Yeah, it was weird. He knew exactly. <laughs> Google the, Play uh, right away. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> I would think he would be an Apple guy. That's weird. But, I know, you but, know, you know, he's a smart. Not in with the in crowd yet. Yeah, he's a smart, brilliant guy, you know, next generation, like like me. Uh, he's so a contrarian, he, like I am. Clearly an Android guy, like, like myself. So, yeah, that. I was a longtime Android guy, and then. Two years ago, I changed to Apple, and you know, I see, I see the error your ways. Well, you know, I'm thinking about making the change lately, and I don't want to get too too far into off the deep end here. But I was watching uh, Edward Snowden on uh, on Joe Rogan's podcast, and he was saying how Apple is is significantly more secure than than Android. So, I, you know, since then, I, it's been in the back of my mind to like take steps to make sure that all your stuff is secure on your old cell phone. You know, so mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting. But anyway, uh, that that certainly made my year, and I reached out to Benetti after that, saying how appreciative I was, and he's been a good friend of the station, and maybe we'll have him on the the podcast in the off season maybe we'll have to, to, to start flexing our, uh, our 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 muscles with the guest booking because we could get we can get anyone we want out there but i like talking to herb and i'm sure you guys like uh, will we just shoot the shit here yourselves too so but we'll no, see yes they're good too i yeah. trust me you're gonna need guests <laughs> in this off season it's it's so much you could talk about by yourself yeah i mean even though you know we have two people but I wouldn't recommend us just talking about the same things because you're going to be sick of me talking about, we got to get Trevor Bauer podcast. <laughs> so let's hey. get somebody else saying that. Hey, did you hear what happened with Trevor Bauer this week and what he said on Twitter about this team? And yeah, did you hear what, yeah. uh, what did you hear what Bob Nightingale said about the Sox financial situation <laughs> this week? You know, it's it will get tiresome. So we, we, we won't uh, delve into that too much. All right. Uh, moment number 17. Again, this is the top 20 moments of 2020. Uh, this one deserving uh, its very own spotlight here. This is Garrett Crochet's debut. So you get drafted right in the first round, and then you say, well, I'll go through the minor leagues, and then I'll make it to the majors at some point, hopefully soon. Hopefully soon is a couple months later for young Garrett Crochet, 21 years old, the left-hander with the fastball and the wipeout slider who comes out of the University of Tennessee to the Chicago White Sox. 100 strike three, Garrett Crochet keep that baseball, his first major league strikeout just a couple of months after he was drafted. How about his year? Well, I mean, look, we've talked about how bad 2020 has been for the world and for the nation, but right now, Garrett Crochet, he couldn't think this is a better year in his whole life. The dream come true, first big league batter faced and he strikes him out, just like his dream probably has been forever, to get to the big leagues with this arm and strike guys out. There's our guy DJ there, and uh, we're coming up on a week since that wild card loss where Garrett Crochet 
had an untimely exit there, and we still don't know what's going on with him. We're still waiting to nope. hear from Rakan to see what's what's going on with the state of the team and injuries and things like that. So, hoping the best for him, and hopefully he'll have a spot in that bullpen this year. But that was one of the treats uh, watching him you know, just out of nowhere make his surprise debut late in the season there in Cincinnati. And uh, but he's got to do something about those pant legs. What are we doing there, son? I don't know. Like it's flood, and it's like it, you're you know you're six six, dude. You can wear longer pants. You don't have to be like that or blouse them. I don't care. But yeah, it looks weird that way. But if it means he's striking out guys and looks weird to the hitters, let's go with it. So it's a kind of an extra distraction for the hitters. Yeah, I was gonna say if like if the hitters like, like okay, this guy's a big guy is coming at me from an odd angle, a hundred plus, and what's the deal with those pants? <laughs> oh, strike one. Like I think that's all part of of the plan here for Garrett yeah. Crochet. So. God. <laughs> God, his fashion is fucking me up. I can't look at him anymore. I just think it's so weird now. Any pitcher will tell yeah. you, man, any mental edge they can get out there certainly uh, will help them out. Uh, so moment number 16, we're doing the top 20 moments of 2020. Dallas Keuchel ripping the team a new asshole when they needed it. Uh, well, I mean, I would have liked to see the team play better tonight, especially uh, after kind of a, a, a defeating loss last night with – with Giolito and Bieber going at it, I mean, we just came out flat, and I feel like we just stayed flat the the whole game. You know, we got a lot of guys. You know, we well, excuse me, let me take that back. We got some guys coming out and and taking professional at bats, being professional on the mound, and and doing what it takes to win. We got some guys kind of going through the motions. So we need to clean. We need to clean a lot of things up. And you know, if we want to be in this thing at the end of the season, we're gonna have to start that now. And like I mentioned to you guys before. When, when you have enough talent to potentially win every game, it's it's very frustrating when, when you have games like this and it just seemed, seemed like we were we were out of it from, from the get-go. So that came on August 10th, and of course the White Sox went on an incredible run throughout the month of August and most of September there after he makes those comments, and that's exactly what you bring in a leader to do. And the Sox, more importantly, they responded after that little calling out in that postgame after that loss to the Tigers. Yeah, I think they responded because it came player to player. It wasn't that press conference. Then he go into the players and saying it. Yep. He said that to the players before he broke that to the media. And I think the guys in respect is like, Hey, I'm going to chew you guys out in a respectful manner. I'm not going to call you out of your name because you guys are grown men like I am, but damn it. We got to play better. We're better than the Detroit Tigers and we can't be losing games like this. They're not good. And that was their only loss to the Tigers this whole year. Dallas Keuchel nipped that in the bud as soon as he saw that something wasn't right. We ain't going to be laying down and accepting Detroit Tigers losses. And that's the leader that knows that the talent on the White Sox is far superior to the Tigers and that shouldn't be even close when they play, much less lose to them. Yeah, you know, we we speculated, you know, we didn't do a recap after that loss because we were so mad. But, you know, on talk radio, we speculated who – Dallas could have been talking about at that moment. Uh, Moncada was mm-hmm. hitting hitting a little bit, but I think a lot of people thought it was about Eloy because Eloy was mm-hmm. gi- giving away a ton of at bats in that moment. Uh, you know, and then of course Eloy goes on to have you know a, a huge year for the Sox. So yep. you know those these things matter when you're talking about having leaders in the clubhouse, like learning what to say and when to say it. Those things definitely matter over a, a baseball season. So yeah, that the Sox, they never looked back after that point. So yeah. yeah. And I know it was early in the season. So you know, the sample size is you know, a little skewed, but look at Eloy's average. I think it was around two tens in that time. 
he was just going through the motions. He would put one over the fence every once in a while, but like he was just doing that on his talent alone. And Steve Stone tells you like the next day he started going to right field, which opened up his whole game. Like if he's taking the fastballs to right, he's not too early on the off speed pitches so he can drive those out to left and then anything in between, he'll drive it to center. So I think uh, chewing out a, a correction, understanding, yeah, we're having fun all here, but also we're trying to win. So have fun, but be professional at the plate. Understand what they're trying to do to you and use your talents for the good of our team so we're not be messing around. And Eloy could be like that. You can feel like he can lose a little focus and maybe need somebody to correct him every once in a while. And he got focused and got the job done. Absolutely. So two nights later uh, in Detroit, Tim Anderson had been on the DL for a period of time. And the Sox starting to snap out of it a little bit, but they didn't turn into the team they would eventually become until Tim Anderson returned to the lineup and he was back at the top of the lineup. And here's what he did uh, his first day, I believe it was his first day back on the field for the White Sox. This is moment number 15. Tim a drive to left field. He waited him out and bring him home. one nothing Sox, Tim Anderson, a long, fruitful first at bat. Silences the crowd. Keep them quiet there, <laughs> Motor City. I love that T.A. doing the shush mechanic as he's rounding the third base on his way home. And there was a lot of talk. We certainly made a, a lot about this uh, topic at the, around the time. Luis Robert was in the leadoff spot leading up into that point, but he was starting to, to scuffle a little bit after pretty much tearing the league apart. And so T.A. was asked in the postgame like, what, what uh, he meant by the, uh, the shushing. Let him sleep, baby. Let him sleep. Let him sleep. That was what? Let him sleep. <laughs> Let him sleep. What, do you, what do you mean by that? Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of doubters out there. They motivated me, like, who's, who's going to be the leadoff guy? You know, not against Louis Robert, but come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. Come on. I, I love that. It was one of the great sound bites and one of the great moments uh, combined into one. It's a moment 15 there. But, you know, Dallas Keuchel's comments, T.A. coming back from the DL, and T.A. for most of the season putting himself into into batting champion conversation once again and MVP conversation for T.A. Yeah, we talked about it the other day. This growth from the player we heard he was in the minors to the player that he is now is exponential. It's so big that none of us even thought, and I think uh, Josh said it too uh, after uh, today, we're like, no one expected this. The guy that Tim is now, if somebody would have told you that in 2017 that he'll be this guy, you would like, no way. There's absolutely no way. He's turned into a bona fide star in the league for great reasons. He's top-notch hitter for power and for average. He almost won the batting title, you know, even after being out for 10-plus games this year. So his, his like, bat was off for a little bit. So he had to tune that back up, and he tuned it back up really quickly and just had a little uh, bad ending. But that man turned it back up for the playoffs, so – I'm very impressed, and we I myself was a doubter that he could do the leadoff thing. I didn't think he is this on-base guy, but I didn't think he can just hit his way on base, and he has done it. He walked a little bit more this year, but also the man worked hard and became a complete hitter and consistent hitter, and I would have him on my starting lineup at the first spot for years to come. 
Absolutely. And we talked about, you know, if the power numbers can go up and, and the walks can go up, then they'll really have something there. And that's exactly what happened. All right. So we take it back now. Moment number 14 of the top 20 moments of 2020. Let's take it back to opening night against the Minnesota Twins. You talk about guys with star power. Look no further than this guy making his major league debut. With the higher exit velocities, he's going to be among the best in baseball, especially when he starts to figure it out. First pitch here from Barrios is a breaking ball slash to left field. So, Robert hits a mistake on a curve. Barrios tried to sneak over a breaking ball first pitch strike, and he didn't sneak anything as we will watch the chain of custody. We missed it so much. Moncada says this is yours and then wants to give it away very quickly. Uh, exit velocity of 115 miles per hour on Luis Roberts' uh, first major league hit. Of course, having his first major league home run two days later against the Twins. Had a few big hits against the Twins this year, and you hope there's uh, nothing more than a, a decade more of that, please, from Luis Robert. But, uh, you know, it's hard to pick a, a definitive Luis Robert moment, but just the fact that he's there starting in center field on, on opening day for the White Sox, that was something that we had been waiting so long to see, and, you know, he, he doesn't make his wait very long in his first at-bat there yeah like we got some of the highest highs this uh season for Luis robert i mean he did struggle but never would I, was i like man he's outmatched in the field man he's outmatched at the plate he was just you know getting in a slump sometimes you have those um some of the highest highs though like the walk-off versus the kansas city royals and then him destroying the kansas city hall of fame out there almost a, almost bobbing it himself man so close <laughs> he's man the best that catch i mean does he do all his damage for Kansas city it seems wow. seems like that he had a pretty big weekend and we'll get to that later on in the list here but yeah Luis robert was just a, a joy to watch all year and you know it's st- something to get you really excited about when he got his first hit there off uh, barrios so that was good stuff right there moving on Number 13 on the top 20 of 2020. This was just totally just one of the funniest things that that I remember happening on the broadcast all year. It speaks to the great chemistry of uh, Jason Benetti and Steve Stone. But uh, just out of nowhere, this is I love the conversational roads that you can go down during a baseball broadcast. But here's a, uh, a story that uh, doesn't really have an ending. One ball, two strikes. I was sitting out in left field in the bleachers at then Comiskey, now, now guaranteed right field. And there was a guy behind my parents and I that just kept yelling Joey, Joey at Albert Bell. But it's not like we had iPhones then, right? So the guy's yelling Joey at Albert Bell. It's a ground ball. Third base side, Moncada has the out over at first. And one down. We had no idea what was going on. There wasn't really the internet. I mean, it took like a year year and a half for us to finally figure out what it was because there was no there was no resource where you could go and figure out then the internet came to be and we ended up looking it up and there it was but but I learned that his name was Joey from like a, a guy who was in the bleachers <laughs> is there a second after this story or was that <laughs> a dramatic five finish dollars go away <laughs> what the things you learn at a ballpark oh see I didn't know that was the moral of the story and his partner are soon parted. There, there's your moral. He's up. 
I mean, you know, you're in broadcast hell right there, and you're and you're waiting for your partner to bail you out, and and there's Stony with with the with the, uh, with the ultimate just just haymaker, uh, not doing you any favors. Is there a second half to this story? It's one of my favorite things that happened all year long, and in terms of baseball audio, right there. But I just I get a kick out of that every time. Oh, I love Steve Stone's acerbic wit. He's just the best. Like he's always that way. And the first time I met him at the uh, Score Studios, I was taken aback kind of how much he was but now i couldn't do without it like he's been turned on like this jason benetti steve stone mixture is just so perfect it's not like hawk turned him off or like (laughs) made him not probably but 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 made him not steve stone but you're not getting what you're getting out of steve stone this year as you were with the hawk years hawk for himself doesn't really open himself up for a long you know diatribe by his cohorts jason sets him up while doing the game because he knows that steve stone is a genius at baseball all the predictions that he can do of of what's going to happen it's just uncanny and steve stone and jason benetti just i was a don orsillo uh mud grant guy i mean still am but i think i get more entertained by the white Sox broadcast which is really really weird to say after all these years of being a White Sox fan where it was entertaining because there were White Sox fans but it wasn't entertaining just because we're watching a TV program if you know what I mean yeah and you gotta love Steve Stone there channeling his inner Steve Martin as Neil Page and planes trains and automobiles here's a good idea have a point it makes it so much more interesting for the listener oh one of my all-time favorites right there moving on here the top 20 moments of 2020 Number 12 here, we take it back to August 21st. Dallas Keuchel is done tonight after eight innings. Sox win it 10-1. to Tim Anderson and the Sox get a big win thanks to the home run ball. Six of them bashed out of Wrigley Field tonight and a 10-1 final score. We already talked about Dallas Keuchel's leadership abilities and what it brought to the table, but this is a guy that was his best outing of the year against the Cubs, and he had a sub-2, a 1.99 earn run average this year for the White Sox. Just uh, did everything that you, that you wanted him to do, except have a, a decent outing during that uh, wild card game. But such is life, and the, the, you know you, you surrender yourself up to the baseball gods. It happens sometimes, but you know mm-hmm. he's he's uh, going to be there. Hopefully, uh, number three starter next year. Hopefully, fingers crossed. And uh, but he just did everything that you wanted him to do this year. And we, we don't have to spend too much time on it. But that was his best outing of the year. And that night against the Cubs was certainly. Uh, one of those moments in the season where it just felt like things would be different this year. Yeah, I mean, I can't say enough about how good he pitched this year. He was just the unexpected leader of this team. While Luis Giolito has turned into an ace, I think the best pitcher, like with the consistency, I've said it here, is Dallas Keuchel during the regular season. And I wasn't expecting how good he pitched this year. I thought, you know, he would give us good representative pitching. He'll get hit around every once in a while. But at the end of the day, you'll get probably five innings out of him, sub three, sub four ERA in that area with a, like a fifth that's in the fives. But no, the man was just nails this year. Understands how to pitch. Reminds me so much. And we said this before the year. Mark Burley, he is Mark Burley reincarnate as close as you can get since Mark Burley retired. So I'm a big-time fan of his, and that game just proved, like, it doesn't matter the lineup. And at the time, the Cubs were decently, you know, doing some decent things. They started off the season 13-3, and 
And to shut them down like that was great to see. Absolutely. Moving on. Moment number 11 of 2020. This one in a normal year that didn't result in postseason play probably could have been higher, but we bring you back to the Cardinals series. August 16th. Ricky, four home runs in a row. Hasn't happened very often in baseball history. I don't think I've ever seen it in person, obviously. Yohan drills it. Way back right field. Look out, Goose. It's a three-run shot. Here's Yasmani Grandal. Another absolute blitzkrieg. For Grandal, his first White Sox home run. They're just teeing off on Ramirez. Here is Jose Abreu. Oh, boy. Three in a row. In the air, left field. Eloy in a row? Four oh home runs in a row. Eloy Jimenez. Moncada, Grandal, Abreu, now Jimenez. I don't recall seeing that. Four home runs in a row. Yeah, you watch baseball long enough and you'll see something you've never oh. seen before. And that, that was just quite a quite a day against the Cardinals after uh, that, that was a Sunday game after we, we ripped them apart. Uh, after that doubleheader on Saturday where things felt like they were as low as possibly could be and things just were kind of on an upward trend uh, uh, ever since that day. That was the same week uh, of uh, Keuchel's uh, sort of post-game uh, diatribe, but then, of course, you have that game against the Cardinals sort of seeing for the first time, really, what this offense was capable of. Yeah, and uh, before I get started with my uh, uh, opinion on that, but the Clerks, awesome. Love it. <laughs> it's one of my favorites, yeah, in a row. Um, <laughs> yeah, that home run spree right there was so great. Um, just because they all were no doubters. Love Johan's backdrop when he knows he got it. Yasmani's is undefeated. And then Jose, I knew that was gone. But the Eloy, I was like, that's going to go foul. And then when it didn't, I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, I haven't seen this before. But I was mistaken. White Sox have done it before. The only, well, one of only two teams have done it twice in their history. Absolutely, and for the Sox fans that don't remember, maybe you knew at one point back in in, in earlier twenty twenty back in August. But who were those uh, four guys that did it in two thousand and eight? Do we remember? I remember one guy for sure. Juan Uribe. Do you remember the he others? Was one, <laughs> I believe, it was Canerco, Rowan, and Chris Widger. No, right. Widger would, would have been 05. So this was this what? happened in 08. Yeah, so it was Paul Canerco. You may have heard of him. Jim Tomey, Alexei Ramirez, and Juan Uribe. Juan Uribe. Going uh, before, back to back to back to back home runs in 2008. That would have been, of course, on August 15, 2008. So, yeah, there you go. A little White Sox trivia there. Okay, so, you know, something that was in your brain at one time, but it was pushed out by something else, probably something football-related. But, yeah, there, there we go. So that was a pretty cool moment there. You know, those things don't happen every day, and sort of you see the White Sox offense, you know, uh, you know, get, get visions of what they were capable of and what they're still capable of in 2021. Pretty exciting stuff. Well, here we are. We're, we're in the, 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 the second half here. Moment number 10, we alluded to it earlier, uh, Luis Robert terrorizing the Royals uh, in, in unforgiving fashion. This was <laughs> August 3rd to August 6th, Luis Robert's huge weekend in Kansas City. Oh, oh man. Wow. <laughs> Luis Robert hits one in front of the Royals Hall of Fame. Man, is that guy powerful. He's got it all. He's got speed. He's got power. He can play baseball, man. Wow. Look at how pretty that swing was. Very well balanced. Wow. 
he just broke a Mike Sweeney bobblehead in the Royals Hall of Fame. Uh, wow, yeah, bro. <laughs> that was that was that one we just mentioned earlier about him hitting it all the way up to the Royals Hall of Fame. And, of course, he had the huge game-saving catch one night later. Robert lays out. Oh, no, he didn't. Outrageous 88. Those two moments, if Robert can win the Rookie of the Year award, it's not looking great for him, but maybe he, uh, he's fresh in the voters' minds after his postseason performance. But those two little snapshots of his weekend there against the Royals will be on his highlight reel. And when we do the final edition of Lockdown Luis Robert, I'm sure they'll make uh, their, their presence known again next time we talk about him. Yeah, he uh, had a great weekend, and uh, our guy Hud. Uh, oh wow! Good. Oh man, Bruh, that's so, so good. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's like terrorizing those people, and yeah, Frank White is probably miss, uh, pissed <laughs> that he uh, got a bobblehead scratched up. Uh, I Mark, know my Brett Butler one is doing well somewhere. Brett Butler bobblehead is that part of your nineteen uh, nineties uh, stand up comedian bobblehead collection? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that one. You're thinking about the other one. You're thinking about the other guy who liked to bunt. The San Francisco Giants. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm thinking about the comedian who had her own sitcom on ABC for a little while. Grace Under Fire. Grace Under Fire, Yeah, I remember watching that uh, as as a youngster. Uh, February, September 93 to February 1998, Grace Under Fire ran. So you you come for the Sox breakdown and you you, you stay for the Brett Butler conversation. But yeah, uh, a Mark Gubusa bobblehead definitely got tossed around that (laughs) week. Weekend. But yeah, that was, that was exciting times there, and it's great to have a guy that will terrorize the Royals, similar to how, how many Royals terrorized the White Sox over the past, you know, I don't know, my whole life maybe. Uh, <laughs> moment number nine, back to that Cubs series, August twenty second. This was the highest win total the White Sox would achieve all season long. This was their seventh win in a row coming against the Cubs, and Jose Abreu he had a huge day at Wrigley Field. Jose to right field. Well struck, very well struck, and out of here. Jose in the air, left field, way back. Bring him home again. Jose in the air, left field. One more time, bring him home. Four for four with a walk and three bombs. Jose Abreu as hot as we have ever seen him. I mean, I don't remember a player just being that hot, you know, in recent memory, where the guy he was just killing everything, and, and you know, Abreu when he goes on his tears, it's usually not power heavy. It's usually just you know, roping a double to the opposite field, mixing a home run here or there, you know, rocket shot singles, you know, up through the box. But that was as as hot as I can ever remember him being in his career, like DJ said there. But also that was when we started hearing the momentum gain about him possibly being the MVP in 2020. Yeah, I mean, he like you said does bring a power bat to the table, but when he's hot, yeah, he's dumping those balls over the second baseman's head, um, just getting a line shot down third base for usual, you know, getting on double. But, yeah, now he's incorporated that pop swing with the good average like his rookie year. It's like he's been re- rejuvenated. I don't know what happened. He just a uh, commitment to excellence because his defense was awesome too. So I applaud what he's done. I, of course, will take my L always for calling him for not or calling for the Sox not to re-sign him and being mad when they did. But hell, this man is proving me wrong on a daily basis. I hope he does it for the rest of his contract and maybe the rest of his career too. He deserves it. Absolutely. Taking you to moment number nine inside the top 10 here, the top 20 moments of 2020. We have 
a playoff moment here. I, you know, we finally have some new playoff. Mo- yeah, I know, right, Jim Mora? We, we finally have a playoff moment to celebrate. And overall, I just wanted to celebrate T.A. once again here with his incredible performance in that wild card series. We had our doubts. He wasn't hitting leading into it. But there he was back at top of the order making things happen for the White Sox in that wild card series. And then the White Sox would get to their MVP. Kind of a hanging breaking ball punched. And Lestella can't reach this one. Anderson dunks one in. So Anderson has his ninth hit in these three games. It's He's the first player in the history of Major League Baseball with nine hits in his first three career postseason games. It's pretty amazing, man, all the years that baseball has been around and he's the first guy to do that. It's, you know, again, we, you know, throwing more bouquets at, at T.A., but... You know, if, if you have a guy at the top of your order like that who is not afraid of the big moment, not afraid to to be the, the, the igniter on a postseason, you know, World Series ball club, that's a good sign right there. And it certainly makes, you know, things, a, a, you know, you don't have to worry as much next year about how some of these guys will perform under the bright lights. And, and T.A. is one of those guys that just, just seems to love the big moment more than anything. Yeah, it, he just turned it on. Like, it was weird. We were all worried about him at the end of the year. It was like, man, big-time slump. He went from the 370s and average to about the 320s. And we're like, man, I hope he doesn't carry this over. Momentum is not on our side for him uh, in these games with the Oakland A's. We need him. And he was there. First at bat, just to- poking that ball into right field right in front of Tommy Lestella. I mean, the kid was just on. And it looked like he had a plan to hit the ball to the opposite field because I don't know how many of those hit uh, went over to right field, but it looked like an inordinate amount went over there, at least four or five of them. So I'm just so impressed by the improvement. And then, like you said, he relishes the spotlight. He looks for it. He wants it. And I think other players like Trevor Bauer and, and uh, Marcus Stroman, guys that might've been their adversaries in the past, understand that this is a champion and that they need to be around this type of energy and they root for that type of energy. And how can you not? Tim Anderson's exactly who you root for, a guy that came to baseball late but now has turned into a superstar. Yeah, a guy that was drafted. He thought maybe oh, just a basketball player in a, in a baseball uniform, but here he is years later making his presence known on the big stage and doing things that guys in baseball history have not done. Uh, moving on, moment number seven, of 2020 take you back to august 28th uh Sox looking to finally get themselves into first place had a lead against the royals but blew it in the ninth inning very uncharacteristic fashion for the white Sox at that point in the season and then your 73 million dollar man yasmani grandal has a chance to have his first big white Sox moment yasmani in the air right field way back and bring him home Six five, the Sox are in first place. Very much a validation type of night right there. You got your big time free agent finally, who had not been performing that well up to that point. Did not have the best season. I'm sure he'll tell you that. Uh, started to come around late, but that was uh, certainly a moment that that catapulted that team for for a long, a big stretch there uh, in first place. Yeah, I was uh, very impressed. He had uh, made an error on the play at the top of the ninth inning that cost them the uh, tying rung there. So I was like, okay, maybe Grandal will lead off the inning and do something well for us, like a double. I was not expecting him taking that ball deep, 
because at the time I think he was struggling mightily with the bat and then with the glove and that really didn't solve itself. But I think, you know, he probably put it on himself. Like, you know, I already cost my team a run. I need to end this thing. And everything was erased. All the bad stuff that game was erased with that one swing of the bat. And it was a rocket shot to right field. And I was cheering my ass off because I wasn't expecting it at all. Absolutely. And you mentioned this moment, moment number six earlier on in the, in the podcast here, but once you're in first place, you never want to let go, and that's when it starts to get real as a baseball fan. And, and the Sox were, were you know, they, they, by the next day against the Royals, they had a clunker of an outing against Kansas mm. City, and they were looking to finish the series off with a, with a good taste in their mouth and get back in the first place. And here's Luis Robert with his first career walk off. Robert in the air, left field, Gordon back at the track. It is over. Yeah, what more can you say? It was, you know, your your rookie of the year candidate right there in a moment you needed him to come through and you, you hate to leave it up to, you know, base runners there in the in the extra innings where anything can go wrong, especially when you're playing against a team like Kansas City, but Lou Bob coming through in a big moment right there. Yeah, it was huge and uh, it wasn't a cheapie either. It was in the extra innings at uh, the 10th inning and uh, all it needed was a sacrifice fly or a single up the middle and Lou Bob's like, "No." Nah. You leave a pitch right there in the middle. I'm going to drive it deep to left center field and end this game. So, yeah, I I wasn't expecting, like the Grandal home run two days before, I wasn't expecting a home run there. I was looking for just a quality at bat from the rookie, not asking him too much, just uh, calm his heart rate and make sure he gets a productive out if, if it, anything. But the kid's like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good at baseball. And you leave a, play, a pitch right in the middle of the plate, I'm going to smash it. And he did so. And it's good to see that we got one of those guys, even though he ended up a little bit less than what he would have wanted and some of us would have wanted. He was a superstar that whole that whole year, and he'll be a superstar eventually. So I'm very excited. The player I'm excited to see most. And he did have one more big moment in him, and we'll get to it soon here on this list. But moment number five is uh, a guy who we had our doubts being a bona fide ace, we talked about the list of aces around baseball. Uh, you know, guys that are bona fide, no doubt, number one starting pitchers in, in any rotation. Not just a guy who happens to fall the uh, first time through in a rotation, but guys who are are shutdown guys, guys who can hold down any good lineup, and a guy you want out there starting game one of a playoff game. And Lucas Giolito started game one of the White Sox playoff game, and he did not disappoint. Changeup got Grossman. Olsen strikes out swinging. 0-2. Struck him out swinging. Lucas Giolito strikes out the side. Up, down, in, out. Fastball, slider, changeup. There have only been five to do what he's done through six innings in a playoff game. Only one, very famously, has ever finished it off. Yeah, Giolito nearly went perfecto uh, on the A's that day. Game one of that wild card, things looked uh, like they would be shaking out in the Sox favor, but uh, not so much. And I think when you look at Lucas Giolito, I, I said he looked like he was pitching possessed that day, and I think mm-hmm. he, he quieted everyone who said that maybe he wasn't a, a bona fide ace, it wasn't a game one starter type of guy. But you know, I, I think as we look forward to twenty twenty one, do you think maybe Lucas Giolito is in that category of of rock solid aces in Major League Baseball? Um. It's tough because he has 
inconsistent starts sometimes. So that's why I said that uh, Dallas Keuchel might be our best starter, even though Lucas Gilito is our ace. Um, you could see the potentials. The highs are the highest of highs, but the lows are pretty lows. There's no consistency there. There's no like, okay, Lucas might get hit today, but he'll look good. He'll be executing his pitches, and the other team would just be getting uh, wood on the ball. Um, and you could just tip your cap, but some of those is self-induced or he's missing location or he's walking people and he's not consistent enough for my liking of a DeGrom or uh, Garrett Cole, those type of guys, uh, our guy, Ian Snow, Blake Snow. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. If I get the Rona. Like those guys, when I look at them, if you go with Walker Beeler, they're a little bit more consistent, but I would say he's an ace but not on the top, top level. He's knocking on the door to being one of those guys you're like, man, uh, Lucas Giolito's on the bump. We're good today. Or like the the feeling that we get when we see Shane Bieber, that kind of feeling. He's almost there. He's yeah. not there yet. Well, the only thing separating it would be just consistency and just doing it mm-hmm. some more. And, you know, by this time next year, we could be saying, yeah, he's definitely a one-on-ones. But showing out in that first game against the A's, that was a big step in the right direction for Lucas Giolito. And uh, from no- moment number four here, we take you to two days later. We mentioned him just a few moments ago, Luis Robert. Um, we were feeling good after this happened, but moment number four is this. Then Luis Robert, he is not a finished product. He drills one to left field and tosses the bat aside. My goodness, where will it land? Way up and out of here. A titanic home run from the rookie Luis Robert. The White Sox have a one nothing lead. 487 feet. Just amazing bomb right there from Luis Robert. I think we all thought the Sox would maybe pull it out there in Game 3 in Oakland. But when you look at that that postseason, you know, you talk about Giolito's dominant performance in Game 1, T.A.'s outstanding series, Luis Robert's bomb there. I, I think what you're just looking at from the White Sox performance in that, that first round early exit is just snapshots of, of things that, that that's to come, you know, uh, performers on the big stage who can maybe contribute for a World Series team. And you look at those three guys right there and that, that, that bomb right there for Luis Robert. It was important for, for a lot of reasons. It was obviously important in the context of that game. Uh, ultimately, you know, didn't have an, uh, enough pitching to support them, but it was important for me to see Luis Robert finish strong, and boy, did he ever. He was another guy that just sort of flipped the switch once the postseason started. Yeah, just like we said, the people who didn't perform well in that game three are going to take that into their offseason and use as motivation. I hope on the flip side, Luis Robert understands that not many people can hit 487-foot home runs, especially in that cavernous park called Oakland. And to do that means you're pretty special. So I want you to train like you're pretty special. Get there. Like go to the next level and have motivation of, okay, I can do it in the playoffs. I need to continue pushing, not be resting on my laurels. We saw that what happened at the end of the year when I started doing that. Now I got serious in the playoffs and I contribute to an effort and almost contribute to a serious victory. Let's go. Let's go and have some uh, hunger to be be even better in the playoffs next year so we don't have that feeling at the end of it of losing, even though I performed well. So, yeah, it was a great, great moment. I remember I yelled out. It was one of the loudest <laughs> yells I ever had in my life because it was uh, pressure-filled. I remember you guys, you guys were nervous that first game, second game, and third game. It didn't go away. And nope. 
to get a lead in those games, it's just like, ah, oh, so relaxing. It's like, it's good to break the seal. It feels, even though you only know it's a one run lead, it's like, so like, ah. Oh, just look at the dugout. Out. Like going, watching that replay, pulling the audio clip. They're just looking at the dugout and how they reacted after that home run. Like, it definitely, it means something. And if they would have had representative starting pitching in that game, maybe mm. we're talking about them playing today and, you know, hitting balls even farther out of Dodger Stadium. So a uh, big moment right there for Luis Robert capping what was ultimately a very productive season and a very encouraging season, no matter what the what the numbers say at the end of the day. But you definitely, definitely saw the flashes of a guy that could be one of the, the premier talents in all of baseball. On to moment number three of 2020. Not so much the moment itself, but uh, it was important in the context of the game that it happened. The Sox were struggling. They were 0 for the week. Uh, Cubs in town. This was a, a Saturday night affair against the Cubs. And Jose Abreu having uh, an MVP moment here uh, in a big spot in a ball game when they needed a victory. So Abreu against Tapera, who throws a lot of fastball versions. He's got a cutter that he throws a ton. He's got a sinker that he throws and a four-seam fastball as well. Abreu seeking an MVP trophy to left field. Schwarber back. It is off the wall. A ringing hit for Abreu. The carousel starts. Where will it stop? Throw to the plate. Not in time. Jose's on his way to third. He is in there safely. Jose Abreu pounds one to clear the bases. And there is the Sox bench we were used to a couple of weeks ago. Well, Jose got his hanging slider. He is locked into having an RBI per game at least in 2020. It's, it's really been just a remarkable season from start to finish. I mean, look, we're obviously biased in his favor, but look at the body of work all season long from the first day to the last day. I know Ramirez has been hot for the last week. He's been as hot as anybody in baseball, but over the long haul, you go and average at least a run per game driven in, maybe more than that. That should get it done. You would imagine so. Well, 19 home runs. He's probably hitting 320 right now. There's, there's a lot of good cases for it, and everybody wants their guy to be the guy. But I think Jose now has, I think he's sealed the deal. And it's one thing to have a good year and have it be a fluke, but it's another thing to be find yourself in a moment in, in a spot in a ball game where everyone knows you have to come through and everyone knows you're the man. The, the guy facing you 60 feet away knows you're the man, and you, he's got to get you out. And you know, when you're standing in the batter's box, that you know what, this is my time. This is when I have to deliver right here. And then Jose delivers. And, you know, Jose finishing with an even 60 runs batted in over 60 games, which is just really, really incredible. Uh, finishing with a 617 slugging percentage, 148 total bases. I don't know where he'll finish uh, in the MVP award. I don't know if that hit matter matters in the totality of it all. Maybe it does. Uh, but you know, when when it's all said and done in 2020, that's the first thing I'm going to think of was the year that Jose Abreu had uh, leading this young team by example. What do you think he's going to face? You think he's uh, still the front runner for the MVP? I think you know. The other day I looked for odds in the MVP race, and he was the favorite. So I was thinking that it was going to be Jose Ramirez, but um, the other day it was still him. Even after Jose Ramirez walk off from him versus the White Sox, um, so yeah, he's the odds-on favorite. He's top 
five in a lot of offense categories, including uh, runs driven in, home runs, slugging. You know, he's pretty good this year. I mean, he should be uh, rewarded for the year that he is having currently, not as some type of lifetime achievement award. He is the best player in the American League, I thought, this year. With his improvement at defense and his bat becoming like his bat was when he was a rookie in this league, I don't know if there's a person that has a better case overall in the totality of their game than Jose Abreu. And he played all 60 games too. So, um, and that's just the tangible stuff, the stuff you can see on paper, the intangible things about the leadership you've mentioned, uh, those guys being on the team themselves, like Luis Robert, you know, Jose Abreu was big time into his recruitment to the White Sox. So, you know, uh, I was a doubter. I was a hater. You can call me <laughs> last year. And I've come around to the church of Abreu. I won't. If he's going to be this guy. I'll be. I'll be worshiping at his feet all day long. Yeah, I won't call you a hater. I think a lot of us were kind of. We didn't scratch our heads. We we're like, kind of like, okay, fine. If Jose Abreu wants to come back, let him come back. He said he would, you know, sign himself. Like you know, so it's not like you know you had to have a, a grueling negotiating process. But Jose Abreu having uh, his best year since his rookie year, where he was an All Star. Rookie of the Year, Silver Slugger Award winner, and finished fourth in MVP voting in the American League in 2014, but then bounces back this year and has the, one of the biggest years of his career, and you'd love to see him win an MVP award right there because he certainly deserves it. Certainly a hard worker and has the numbers to back it up, but yeah, I, I never thought that he'd have that kind of year. Maybe uh, the short season helped him out in terms of uh, conserving his energy. He played every single day. We talked about when they were eliminated, that did, was that helpful to them, him playing every single game? I don't know, but maybe it was something that was a driving force to, to keep him motivated uh, day in and day out. All right, so we move on here down to the final two. Number two moment of the 2020 baseball season. Boy, what a special night this was. Nobody's here to watch, but everyone at home has their hearts in their throats. On 0-2 to right field, Adam Engel is there! A no-hitter! The 19th in White Sox history! Lucas Giolito, no-hitter that night, and we talked about it that, that night, just... You know, not being able to be at the ballpark, but it felt like we were all there in spirit and just sort of willing uh, Lucas Giolito in those final three outs. And of course, Adam Engel with that big catch to preserve it. And it was just it was a special night all around. And, and one of those moments this year where you thought, you know what, this, this season really is special. And although we, we couldn't be there in person, you know, just being able to share that moment, uh, you know, on the podcast and 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 just you know fans watching at home listening on the radio it was uh, it was it was just a, a moment in history when you talk about something that only happened 19 times in the the long history of this organization and and no one was there in the stands just a, an odd night but certainly one that I think will forever tie to the 2020 season whenever we think about it yeah i mean that's one of the top moments for a reason like the atmosphere this year i felt was more offensively inclined especially when you have the rules of universal dh and uh runners in the uh, overtime in the uh, extra innings uh at second base you know they it seemed like you're not going to get a no hitter this year because of all the different batters in, in the lineup no easy outs with the pitcher out there and it seemed like, you know, the the ball was still kind of juiced. It seemed like everybody was getting balls off the end of the barrel 
or at the, off the end of the bat, and it looked like it was barreled up and going out. So for him, and doesn't matter if it was the Pittsburgh Pirates or not, no team, no hit the Pittsburgh Pirates the rest of the year. So it was a really hard thing to do. He was out there dominating, 13 strikes, uh, strikeouts and like the most swings and misses in a no-hitter in a while. So he was dominant. I, uh, you got to give credit to a guy that does it in that atmosphere, putting all distractions aside. I mean, the no crowd thing would distract me enough to not get my focus right. I can't believe he did it with you know, team, with the, uh, the at night, all this stuff that was in there, like in, he just put it all together. I think he had 13 strikeouts the the outing before versus the Tigers, and he just like, you know what? I'm gonna channel myself. I'm gonna get my you know crazy possessed look like you were referencing. He had in the postseason. It looked like he had a little bit of that, but he upped the ante in the postseason. But the focus was just there, and he wanted to be that guy who wasn't getting hit in the first thing because that was still his bugaboo at that time. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to start my bullpen to be ready. Like I'm throwing first pitch strike right now in the first inning in this bullpen. And that worked from the rest of the season. And here we go here. Uh, the number one moment, I think you guys could probably guess what it is uh, at this point, but the number one moment, take you back Nikki to Nicky Monaco. Damn it. You spoiled it for me. I'll, I'll take that out in post. Uh, <laughs> September 17th, White Sox looking to take the series from the Minnesota Twins looking to stay in first place, and certainly you talk about days that bonded us all together. Uh, first, Eloy here uh, with the game on the line. And now Eloy Jimenez rips one down the left field line. The Sox are going to take the lead. Gilmer Sanchez scores. Eloy's got a surprise for Sergio Romo, and it's 4-3. to three. Sox would hang on to the lead and ultimately lead us into you know one of the the defining moments of of the end of the rebuild and hopefully what's only the start of something big here in 2020. And in a year when so many of us have had to be apart, we all will journey together into October with the White Sox for the first time in 12 years. The Sox are going to the playoffs. Great call by Benetti there, and just I just remember that day. It was one of the most listened to episodes that that we've done for obvious reasons. But I just, it was just a, a just a release of of so many years of angst for White Sox fandom, and I was happy to share those moments with you and, and the listeners on the podcast. But uh, yeah, I think uh, that, that was a no doubter number one moment right there. You know, we didn't know what twenty twenty would would have in store. You know, a lot of people felt that those Sox would would be. Uh, beneficial uh, for the short season but some detractors said well maybe not like I, I think I erred on the side of yeah you know I don't know what if they come out of the gate stumbling and they did but then they recovered which was like the most surprising thing about this team this year is they started one and four but then they, they found themselves and came back so you know it just goes to show you that the spirit of this team and you know hopefully there's there's more to come and hopefully there's more division titles and pennants and world series rings to follow but it all starts with that moment that happened there on September 17th, Eloy getting the big hit against the division rivals. They take three out of four of the Twins. And, yeah, they had a rough week after that. But, uh, ultimately, it, it didn't matter there because uh, they, they were still in the postseason regardless. Yeah, I think that um, everybody who is a reasonable baseball fan only expects, especially now with the expanded playoffs, their team to make the playoffs. That's the very bare minimum that – you know, any team would want their team to do. And the team that's be re- been rebuilding for a couple of years now, 
we've been thirsty for it. And of course we haven't been one to one since 2008. So we're, you know, we're in the desert right now. So to get that last out and to understand that we're going to the playoffs, it doesn't matter. And this year going to the playoffs by itself was the same as going to the ALDS in a regular year, because you get to play a real series where it's not just a do or die game and a regular thing where the Sox would have been the wild card this year. So it was a big deal. And from them not to win the division, I don't care. Being in the playoffs is an honor. And to see my team clinch that, your team clinch that, you know, a little, little emotional. You're feeling like, man, it's been a long time. Like you know, years have flown by. 12 years seems like such a long time ago. But I remember that so vividly. And, man, we've slugged through some bad baseball. And we're finally here. <laughs> And it's the beginning. I hope just the beginning. Everybody stays healthy. We progress as we think we're going to do. But I think making the playoffs for any team is a, a dream come true. But making for a playoffs for a team that's been rebuilding for so long, it's it's awesome. It's like some of the best feelings you can have as a fan. Yeah, I can't say it any better myself. I just I hope you know when when this is all said and done in this iteration of the White Sox. Uh, window it, it closes because they it always closes and we mm-hmm. talked about a couple episodes ago how you know you you hope for sustained success and you never really have to rebuild again but I, I hope you know when they're when they tell the story about the about this team there's there's several division titles and pennants and you know at least one world series nothing's guaranteed but you know it, it all starts with that moment right there and Eloy coming through with the big hit there and it's just it's so much fun to watch them this year as a distraction and just to see them, you know, right the ship and finally White Sox getting it together and, and finally putting a competitive team out there. And is hopefully there's, there's only one way to go from there, and that's keep climbing upward. And there's a lot of interesting things that are unfold here this offseason. And uh, now that we've, we've thrown the, the bouquets their way and talked about all the good things, now we can go back to hammering them uh, multiple times a week until opening day <laughs> about the moves that they don't make in the offseason. But the, the, that, that'll come uh, in due time. But I will say that, we will have our report card edition. I always hated report card day as a kid, but now it's our chance to, to dole some out of our own. So we'll do our report card uh, edition of Lockdown White Sox on Friday where we, we will evaluate everyone on the roster and the coaching staff, uh, GM Rick Hahn and his, his Teflon suit, and just uh, we'll grade everyone how they did this year and see where they can possibly make some upgrades going forward. Sound good? Sounds good to me. All right, that's all I got tonight. I hope you guys enjoyed the top 20 moments of 2020. Thank you to Matt Spiegel for the idea and uh, letting me steal it. I did ask him beforehand. I said, it's cool if I steal this. And he said, yeah, God bless. So uh, just thank you guys for listening uh, all season long once again. And we'll be back on Friday. And I hope uh, you guys are, are okay with the uh, selection committee and, and the and the, the ranking here. If you got any 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 disagreements, feel free to, to hit us up on the email. Right, Herb? Yeah, hit us up on LockedOnSocks at gmail.com, or you can you can uh, tweet the, the show. It's LockedOnSocks at Twitter and Instagram, at LockedOnSocks. When we post this video, after you watch it, write us a comment right there. Also, while you're there, how about you subscribe to Apple or to uh, Google Play? Whatever you get your your podcast, subscribe and give us five stars, especially because Taney's good uh, production work. And sometimes I give a good opinion on too. So yes, lockdownsocks at gmail.com or at lockdownsocks on Instagram and Twitter. So for Chris Tannehill, my name is Herb Lawrence. This has been a great episode, the top 20 episode, I would say myself, <laughs> oh. of Locked On Socks. <laughs>